Whoa. Before we get started, I want to go over the four sponsors for this episode who make all this possible. They're fantastic, so go show them some love. The first is the best URL in the industry, Crypto.com. They're a crypto platform with one goal, driving mass adoption. That's why we're all here, right? To get every human on earth a digital wallet and to get them using digital currencies. Crypto.com is helping people do that through buying, earning, lending, and a new card payment. Everything you could want is at Crypto.com. They've been longtime supporters of Off The Chain and recently announced a new exchange. So go help them out, download their app from the App Store, or visit Crypto.com and tell them Pomp sent you. There's nothing better in the world than a company helping to drive global adoption of this new technology. Another part of global adoption is making sure that we secure the various blockchains with computing power. CoinMine has built the best consumer experience in mining. Hands down, no competition. If you want to help secure the blockchain and get started in mining, you can go to coinmine.com slash Order a CoinMine, it'll arrive at your door, and you simply take it out of the box, plug it in, and connect to your Wi-Fi. You'll be mining your favorite crypto in five minutes or less. It is honestly magical. I have one running right now here in the office, and it's super quiet, it's got no heat, and every person that comes in the office asks, what is that? Every single person asks. It's a coin mine. The best part to me is that the coin mine comes with a mobile app that's super slick, and the company continues to push over-the-air updates to the device that add functionality, add tokens that can be mined, or increase the efficiency of the device. Similar to how Tesla does car software updates over the air, CoinMine's sending these passively to thousands of CoinMines around the world on a periodic basis. Pretty damn cool. When Farboot and the team pitched me on the idea of an Xbox or PlayStation-like box that could mine cryptocurrency in your home, I was immediately sold. I invested in the business, have a device personally, and keep telling people to go to coinmine.com pomp so they can save a lot of time if they want to get started mining today. And CoinMine has a partnership with our third sponsor for this episode, BlockFi. BlockFi is one of my favorite companies in crypto because they allow users to deposit their assets in a deposit account and immediately start earning interest. Think about it. If you keep your digital assets on an exchange or in cold storage, you aren't benefiting from any yield on the asset. With BlockFi, they allow you to deposit crypto and then get paid interest on a monthly basis in crypto. Deposit Bitcoin and want to get your interest payment in ETH? You can do it. Deposit Bitcoin and want to get your interest payment in Bitcoin? You can do it. The rates at BlockFi are currently some of the best in the industry. You can earn 6% interest on Bitcoin, and you can earn up to 8.6% APY on GUSD deposits. I'm an investor in the company and think BlockFi is building really important and compelling infrastructure. So go check them out at BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, that's BlockFi.com slash POMP. And that brings us to the last advertiser of the episode, eToro. These guys have absolutely crushed it over the years. Their founder, Yoni, was one of the original Bitcoin OGs and has been ahead of almost every trend in crypto. He built eToro to help people buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, but he added a few twists, social trading, copy trading, and virtual trading accounts. Social trading is a feature where every asset available on the platform has its own separate social feed where people talk about the asset, share trading ideas and analysis, and even include various charts or graphs. Virtual trading accounts is targeted at beginners. If you're just starting out and want to try trading with play money, eToro will give you a virtual account with $100,000 in it to test, learn, and get comfortable. And so, then that brings us to copy trading, which is by far the coolest feature. This allows you, as a user, to select any other user's portfolio to copy. If you see someone on the platform you like, you can set your account to mimic their trades. They buy Bitcoin with 5% of their portfolio, your portfolio buys 5% Bitcoin. They sell 50% of their Ether position, your portfolio does the same thing automatically. 
Copy trading's awesome, so go join the 10 plus million other traders on eToro and start trading all the most popular cryptocurrencies today. They're one of the largest companies in the space, and you can get started by going to eToro.com. Again, that is eToro.com, where the entire team's ready to get you started in just a few clicks. And don't forget, go subscribe to the Off The Chain daily newsletter. You can go to offthechain.substack.com. I write a letter of news, analysis, and opinion every morning that goes out to more than 40,000 investors. See you there. What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Nishal Shetty is the founder and CEO of Wazirx, one of the most popular crypto exchanges in India. Wazirx was recently acquired by Binance. In this conversation, we discuss Nishal's journey to crypto, what it is like building startups in India, the current state of crypto in the country, how regulators are currently thinking about the industry, and Nishal's advice to both people looking to serve Indian users or Indians who are looking into crypto. Nishal's been a friend for a number of years, and I couldn't be happier for him and his team with the recent acquisition. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I have Nishal calling in from uh, from India. Um, super excited to have this conversation. Um, him and I have uh, have known each other now for uh, a number of years. Um, and obviously, uh, recently was announced that, uh, that Binance is acquiring his company. So thanks so much for taking the time uh, during a busy time period for you to, uh, to come on and talk. Hey, happy to be on the show, Pom. Uh, I think We've been trying to get this done for a while, both of us. Uh, so finally, glad to be here on the show. For sure. Um, let's just start with uh, with your background. I uh, I met you uh, on a trip to India kind of pre-crypto. Um, so maybe just kind of fill everyone in on what you did before uh, you discovered uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Sure. I think, uh, uh, yeah, we met because of my first startup. Um, I started this back in 2012. Uh, it's called Crowdfire, and it's a social media management tool. Um, before it was a social media management tool, it was a social media growth tool where we allowed users to, you know, grow on social networks using various growth uh, features that we had. But along the way, you know, all these social networks as they grew, they wanted to keep all the money to themselves, so they changed the APIs. And now we've made it a social media management tool. And uh, Crowdfire has had over uh, 20 million users until now. It's, it was uh, during its time when I had launched it, it was one of the most viral apps around um, in 2012, 2013, and 2014. Uh, so, yeah, I started with that. Before I started my startup, I was working at another startup in India, which got acquired. And then, um, you know, um, uh, a few of us, we started our own side projects, and that's how uh, my side project grew to be Crowdfire, and I quit my job. Then uh, after building Crowdfire, I raised some venture capital. We, I raised about $2.5 million for that and uh, grew it further, grew the team size and stuff. 
from there, I'll, uh, you know, uh, do you want me to tell about how I went into crypto from there? So, so one of the things uh, with Crowdfire that was so interesting to me is when uh, when we met, um, I, uh, I came to the office and I remember um, not really understanding or, or having an expectation as to, um, you know, a startup in India uh, could go a lot of different ways from the perspective of, of somebody from uh, the United States. And what struck me was not only, um, I think, kind of the, the size of the team and the quality of the people that you had hired, but even just the office itself, right? You, you had built a... Uh, fairly palatial and, and kind of um, uh, office environment that uh, reminded me a lot of Silicon Valley startups, right? And so it was pretty cool to see um, kind of the culture that you were building there, um, even though, you know, literally halfway across the world, um, a lot of the same things that people would see in a Silicon Valley startup um, were, were being implemented, you know, in your organization, which I thought was pretty I, I, I still remember you uh, coming in and then, you know, being surprised and uh, telling me that this uh, looked more like a, a office in the valley rather than in India. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, uh, having built products for a global audience, I've always believed that uh, it's important to imbibe all of the stuff, not just your product, but the way you uh, work with your people around you, the way you, uh, um, you know, the workplace, even the information you consume. If you want to build something global, you need to be global right from your core. And I think that was the principle that's led me to ensure that, you know, we are not just uh, just product-wise, we are not global, but we are global in terms of our thought process. So I think it all boils down to that, you know, the core uh, belief being if you want to build for the world, be a citizen of the world. So, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's how all of this happened, I guess, the office, the people. And, and, and then when was the first time that you uh, came across Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? So my journey has been more of an on and off um, in in 2000. I think it, this was late 2009 or early 2010 when I came across the whole Bitcoin uh, white paper. And because I've been, I was someone who used to read a lot online, uh, try everything new. So I specifically remember uh, trying to mine Bitcoin. Um, I don't know what happened after that, but I... Uh, I had sold off that computer after a year or two because I bought a new laptop. So I don't even remember whether I mined any or how much I mined because it all went in that computer that I sold. Uh, but that was just a you know trial and error that I was trying back then because it was so new. And I left it. I never thought that Bitcoin would be what it is. Then uh, after that episode, I think it was 2013 or something, 2012 or 2013, when uh, I tried on all these new set of um, your crypto wallets that were coming online, uh, including Coinbase at that time and uh, a couple of more. So I, uh, that was my second stint with Bitcoin where, uh, and this time uh, I, you know, transferred some Bitcoins uh, to my friends. They sent them to me. So that's how I tried it again. But then again, I think after a couple of months of just uh, playing around with that, I left it. The third, the third interaction was when, uh, you know, I was pulled down to the rabbit hole, I would say, of uh, crypto. That was 2017, um, probably the middle of the year, when Bitcoin was about to break out. And uh, since then, I've been in it forever, <laughs> I think now. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and so when that was going on, were the Coinbase's um, and other kind of uh, major exchanges, were they available in India or, or were they uh, only available outside? No, uh, they were not in India. So the, I, I think I remember the only way I could get it was through a friend who sent it to me. Uh, and, um, you know, it was a small amount, but, uh, the way the friend could send it because the friend was in the U S or somewhere, or, uh, he got some payments. I don't remember exactly, but I, uh, I don't think there was a way to buy bitcoins in India in 2012 or 2013. Got it. And, and so, um, maybe talk a little bit about, uh, how you eventually came up with the idea for Wazirx and, and kind of what you guys built out of the gate. Yeah, so this was 2017. And, uh, you know, uh, surprisingly, even in 2017, while a few exchanges had cropped up in India, uh, none of them seemed to be on par with the global products, you know, and I've always like, you know, this goes back to the background what we were just talking about, uh, building global products. And when you use them, and then I used all these uh, Indian exchanges that existed, I realized there was a large disparity in the user experience or the way they treated their customers. Uh, So this was like the biggest uh, pain point. I tried buying crypto from uh, quite a few of the Indian exchanges in uh, 2017. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing I saw was, uh, you know, the experience that I had on some global platforms versus Indian. It was a large disparity. And uh, that was the biggest motivation because me and a couple of my other colleagues also felt the same, uh, you know, disparity. So we said that the Indian audiences and uh, when we see the potential of crypto, uh, India can play a significant part, which means you cannot have a substandard product in the country if you want to onboard everyone to crypto. So that was the motivation which we took and said, uh, can we, since we built Crowdfire, which is global, can we build another product which can be compared with other global products? And uh, that's how we started. Um, uh, this was late December we, the, uh, 2017, the idea originated of let's build it. We uh, launched finally in March 2018 when the bear market uh, just was starting, I guess. So yeah, uh, it was a good transition. You decide in the bull, the bear comes. What do you do? But uh, because price was not the you know the factor for us to get in, uh, it never really was a concern for us. We still launched and uh, kept growing. For sure. And then maybe let, let's talk a little bit about kind of the environment around uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology in India, right? I think there's a lot of um, kind of uh, rumors that are spreading, uh, especially outside of India, right? So people who don't live there, um, there's people who believe that uh, crypto is banned. There's people who think that uh, the government is, you know, literally going to jail people uh, who, who participate in this. Um, but, but you're living there and, and, and really kind of um, at, at the ground truth of, of what's going on. So maybe give us a, an overview of what is the current environment around Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in it. Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of confusion around this. But uh, here's the thing. If you look at it from a legal or regulatory point of view in India, uh, the only uh, problem that India faces in terms of crypto today is the Central Bank of India, which is the Reserve Bank of India, uh, not allowing uh, crypto businesses to have bank accounts, which means they do not want crypto businesses to accept money from individuals. And uh, uh, in terms of 
our government, none of them has given any uh, negative or positive statement. So it's been more the government, the lawmakers are more or less neutral. But the central bank has a problem with uh, crypto. Uh, and uh, I think the only way to uh, navigate that was to not have a bank account still allow people to participate in the whole crypto ecosystem, which we did with a peer-to-peer way uh, of, you know, buying and selling cryptocurrencies. But you're, as an Indian citizen, you are free to hold crypto, you're free to sell it, you're free to use it, because the government has not uh, come up with any laws against it. Um, but Recently, what was what happened a few months back is uh, there was a draft bill that was proposed, uh, which and the draft bill was created by a committee that was set up by our government in 2017, late 2017, and that committee re- recommends a ban on crypto. Now, uh, what has to be seen is that this committee is not like the final authority to come up with anything. They were interested with. A certain work they did it and the committee does not i don't think the committee sort of exists right now because the head of the committee was transferred to a different department in india after the report but yeah that's the only draft bill but if you see in the media what happened is the moment this draft bill came which was very surprising honestly uh having been working in crypto the last uh, uh 20 months or so i realized how uh news can be distorted in different different ways uh before crypto i never thought of news being distorted or changed. But the moment this draft was announced, I saw reports in various media which said India bans crypto, India will, uh, people will be jailed and sent uh, to 10 years in prison. Uh, it, but honestly, this is just one of the many drafts that can come out. This might be a draft which might never be even discussed. We do not know, but this was just a recommendation by a committee uh, that was set up by the government. It's not the government's views or anything. Got it. And so let's talk first about um, kind of the central bank saying, hey, if you're a crypto company, um, you can't work with regulated financial institutions, right? It's kind of uh, going after the dependency of the crypto industry on the legacy financial system. So that means that as a crypto business, you can't have a bank account, um, et cetera. How as an entrepreneur building a company are uh, are people getting um, over that obstacle, right? Like what, what do you do if, uh, if that is the um, position at the central bank? Yeah, I think uh, the... The biggest problem is how do you run your uh, company in the country then? Um, But the good news is if you do not deal directly with users' money, the banks are pretty much okay with you having a bank account. So the the whole thing is if you have a bank account and do not deal with uh, your customers directly through that bank account, uh, there are banks which are okay with it because then you become just a software development firm not a crypto you know exchange so that's one way where what indian companies are doing is uh, they're creating bank accounts in india only for salary payments not for accepting deposits from their users or you know processing any kind of in uh, uh, fiat related activities so that's like the first the other what a lot of other businesses are doing is they're registering outside the country uh, because that's a more uh, straightforward easy way and, uh, you know, in whatever foreign countries they register, that becomes their primary place of business. So that's the second way. Um, but, yeah, I think these are the two popular ways. Either you have a bank account in the country, but do not do any activities related to crypto, just salaries and vendor payments, then you're good to go. 
Got it. And, and then in terms of um, like paying employees and things like that, are most of the employees uh, either at Wazir or, or uh, other crypto companies taking their uh, salaries in fiat or are they taking it in crypto? And like, how does that play into uh, into the situation? Um, see, I think ideally uh, in terms of salaries, uh, fiat is a better way in India because there's a lot of uh, processing you have to do in terms of tax deductions at source and stuff, which uh, if the company was to pay you in crypto, uh, it becomes difficult because the government does not accept uh, tax in anything apart from INR. And uh, as a company, if you were to convert that, like I said, if you use your company bank account for any crypto transactions, like even converting your own company's crypto into fiat, you will have uh, trouble with the banks. So uh, fiat payments as salaries is the safest way today. I, I won't be surprised if employees want it in crypto because it's so much more convenient. They don't want to probably liquidate right away uh, and just hold it. But I think from a company point of view, from a business point of view right now in India, it's far easier to pay in fiat to employees as salaries rather than uh, crypto payments. Got it. And, and then in terms of the um, kind of individual uh, citizen in India, walk me through a little bit about uh, how much do they understand about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency? Uh, where does that interest lie today? Um, and, and kind of like, what's the state of uh, kind of an everyday person in India in relationship to cryptocurrency? If you think about India, right, that you have to divide it by, you know, uh, age, groups and uh, uh, if you look at the whole uh, uh, 18 to 24 25 year olds uh, i think a lot of them know about uh, crypto and uh, that's because uh, this age group is really active on uh, social media especially twitter and facebook and they come across bitcoin somewhere or the other so this age group and it's also evident from the data that we have in our user base this 18 to 25 is like the most active uh, crypto uh, community in india uh, it ranges probably right now today uh, about f- 5 to 10 million people maybe in india in this age group understand i think to be safe let's consider maybe 5 million uh, they understand crypto and they're in the 18 to 25. Uh, the rest of the uh, people around us, when we look at, uh, you know, uh, 30, 35, 40, 45, they've all, a lot of them have heard about crypto because of the whole 2017 bull run that happened. Uh, there, the crypto was all over the media in the mainstream media in India, be it news channels, be it newspapers. Everyone knows about Bitcoin. Everyone knows there is something called as cryptocurrency. So if you were to talk to anyone in India, like the general population, which you know reads news or uh, watches news or reads newspapers, they will tell you they've heard of Bitcoin, but they have no idea what it is. And uh, similar to the question you asked, a lot of them think it's now illegal or not allowed to you know trade in crypto, uh, which is a myth that we are trying to burst by running campaigns online, talking to people, doing you know whatever shows we can, getting on our local news channel if we can. So we are doing that. But yeah, I think the niche uh, 18 to 25 year olds get deep into technology and stuff, uh, about 5 million people, they completely understand crypto, what it is, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, but the rest, I think they've heard of it, but they do not uh, really know 
what it is. For sure. And, and I mean, India is such a large country, right? And, and growing so quickly that it feels like um, with things like demonetization um, and, and other kind of monetary policy decisions, et cetera, um, that India would be ripe for uh, adoption of crypto. You, you think that's accurate or uh, is that kind of a, a misplaced perspective from someone who doesn't live? Um, I think these are two uh, separate things. Like the whole demonetization that happened, I, I I don't think that would be a reason for people to adopt crypto because uh, that's not something that it's, it's more of a um, one-time event, I guess, uh, in at least in the last 20, 30 years. I don't think there's been an event like that, and I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon again. Uh, but uh, in terms of India being ripe for crypto ad- adoption, I think I totally agree on that, and I'll tell you why. Uh, if you look at the demographic of India, a large population of India, uh, probably, I don't know, uh, 40% or so, lives in all the top uh, tier one cities, tier one, tier two cities, which is like the metros and uh, you know uh, cities a, bit, a notch below that. And the this is probably, you know, you're uh, uh, 300, 400 million people or 500 million people. And then there's an equal number of people or maybe larger who lives in tier three cities and villages and stuff. Now, uh, for banking access, you need to have physical banks present in your region. But India has tens of thousands of villages and stuff and uh, cities also, which don't have access to these banking infrastructure. People still have to travel like a long uh, distance to just be able to open a bank account. But most of these people have access to a mobile phone today and the internet. So if you come to think about it, if there is a way for these people to just enter you know, the banking system or the financial system through the internet and through a mobile phone, I think uh, that's where the revolution has the greatest potential. And this is where crypto can come in because crypto is, you know, instant. You don't have to have your bank account, like your KYCs and stuff. Someone, somewhere, you know, probably some person in the city can just instantly send it to a wallet that you can access from. Um, I think if that part, and there's a lot of things to be done before that is a reality, but I think if this whole access to crypto gets um, a mainstream adoption in India, I think um, a ton of people will enter the online financial system in India. So I completely am a proponent of uh, there being um, a huge opportunity for people to in India to get on to crypto. Uh, there's a need, there's a real need because crypto can penetrate where banks cannot uh, simply because India is too big, too vast. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people around for sure. So, yeah, but I think only time will tell. And and the way that I think about this is um, very similar to how like Uber is asset light transportation. um, Airbnb is asset light hospitality or hotels. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is basically asset light banking. Right. And when you think of it that absolutely now you start to see um, a world where uh, you don't have to go build that physical bank branch. Right. Um, You you just need somebody to have an Internet connection. Um, And if they can get access to uh, the Internet, now you can give them the full suite of financial services. And as we know, by giving financial services to people, you can create significant inflection points in their societies and economies. Right. So it's pretty empowering. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, uh, so 
one is the reach of crypto which uh, you know crypto can reach where the internet can reach it's that simple but i think this the other important piece that um, you know a lot of people do not see and it's probably real for india is the access to capital and i've been a big proponent of this because uh, look at the world today because of the internet the access to information has no geographic boundaries uh, whether you are in even in the remotest village of india you can actually come online and get access to the same kind of education that uh, someone in the us in the valley is sitting and getting access to but that's not true of capital access you know uh, and uh, like take for example even the us or even japan uh, you guys pay a really low uh, rate of interest on uh, capital when you raise you know when you want to take a loan for whatever reason in india we have to pay about 10 to 15% rate of interest for the same capital that you get access to and i think that if if it this becomes like a one global financial uh, system uh, capital cost will come down considerably for a lot of countries including india where probably some day we can dream of uh, getting it at maybe 2% rate of interest or 3% rate of interest compared to the exorbitant cost we are doing today and that can bring about a massive transformation in the lives of a lot of people in this country i think that's where i'm i'm the most excited about the access to capital without geographic boundaries i think crypto can make that happen for sure and i guess part of this um in my opinion is not only the access to the the services not only access to cheaper capital but um it, it's the increase of accessibility to the global markets as well right a lot of what you're talking about is uh kind of the individual whether they're in a major city or or one of the um towns or villages just getting them access to banking in general is positive but if you then can open up the global access to financial assets and investment opportunities you can really start to see um wealth generation uh, among you know billion plus people that have previously just not had access absolutely i mean that's a massive opportunity you know waiting to be unlocked for sure and and so wh- where do you see that happening today right i think a lot of um people who look at uh bitcoin blockchain cryptocurrencies etc they say look there's a lot of promise here right there's a lot of excitement there's a lot of hype around this but what's actually happening today maybe give us um kind of your view uh obviously you've built um an exchange and and been quite successful there and we'll get to the Binance deal in a minute but what else is um kind of working in India today around crypto and what are uh other products or services that people are using uh you want me to say it specific to India or the global markets in general i i let's do india yeah see i think india we are uh, probably again at the ground zero level i guess where uh, it's um a nascent ecosystem being built out um, so the only way where people are understanding today i think it we are still at that level where people are uh, just accustomed to understanding what crypto is you know uh, what potential it has but there's a small uh, portion of people who are into uh, these uh, crypto i think lending is like one of the um, bigger use cases i'm seeing with people around me um, where uh, they're lending their crypto for a good uh, rate of return uh, i think i think in general probably somewhere from 5 to 10% is what you get online today if you are lending your crypto so lending is turning out to be a, a good uh, use case right now financially in the indian ecosystem uh, 
but it's still very early days for uh, uh, real like you know uh, i would say the next level of use case probably the step two for crypto which uh, will only happen when we have the um, the piping which is like the infrastructure level built out completely i think we're still too early to get into uh, everyday use cases of crypto right now it's in the buying phase accumulation phase that is what is happening in india right now yeah and and to me what you're talking about is what i call like the income generation vertical right where basically if i have an internet connection um and i have any degree of capital i actually can uh, generate income without having to go to work, right? And what I mean by that is I can uh, participate in lending, I can participate in market making, I can participate in staking. Like there's a whole bunch of different uh, mechanisms that uh, the crypto world opens up to me where I can actually drive cash flow or yield um, and, and generate this income uh, without having to go to a you know, nine to five desk job. Um, and so those types of opportunities uh, previously were just unavailable uh, if one, you didn't have access to banking or two, you didn't have um, access to kind of these income generating or revenue generating type mechanisms. Absolutely. I mean, uh, income generation is a, uh, you know, a big use case today and uh, i think one of the things i missed out is uh, india has a lot of freelancers and a lot of people who uh, you know work uh, uh, globally i mean they have their work they get work from anywhere in the globe and uh, i've heard of a lot of instances where for them the easiest way to accept payment was crypto because you know they don't need to uh, uh, sign up on PayPal and pay a large fee, or uh, you know uh, even receiving uh, uh, foreign uh, capital directly into your bank accounts in India is very hard. So this seems to be like a good way for the freelancers to just accept crypto, like you know you're settled within a few minutes and your once your work is done. So I think uh, that's the other use case: uh, accepting international payments. It's becoming easier for Indians right now. For sure. Now, let's talk about uh, WazirX and kind of what you guys built there, um, and then we can get into uh, Binance. But but what what exactly have you guys built from a product standpoint so far? Yeah, so uh, when we launched in March 2018, uh, the about four, I think three weeks after our launch, uh, the whole central bank uh, banking restrictions came into effect. And uh, we were very new and we were like, you know, oh, shit, we and we got just three months. Uh, the uh, bank gave us three months, gave everyone three months to uh, stop, you know, uh, working on any uh, fiat related uh, uh, businesses to, for cryptocurrency. So we were like, you know, what do you do in three months? And uh, uh, we started figuring out because we knew that we do not want to, um, you know, uh, keep our people stranded, our users, and where they don't have an opportunity to get in. And that's when uh, we came across this whole concept of peer-to-peer. And uh, it was not a new concept. Uh, there have been other products that do uh, a peer-to-peer way of uh, uh, buying and selling of crypto. But what we noticed was there was a significant difference in the way you uh, traded on a crypto-to-crypto exchange versus a, a, a peer-to-peer exchange. Like a peer-to-peer exchange had this traditional uh, classified kind of way, like your Craigslist kind of way where you put your buy and sell orders, somebody go uh, comes up and selects it, and then you guys transfer money between each other and you're done. We said that we wanted to build a peer-to-peer way 
which will give the same experience as trading on a crypto to crypto product, which is you just have an order form, buy or sell form. You put it, you have an order book and you see the buy and sell bids. You do not have to see any listings. The top bids come at the, the best bids come at the top. So what we did is we replicated the crypto to crypto order book. But behind the scenes, we had a peer to peer system. And uh, we launched this just a day after the banking ban uh, came into effect. Uh, and this was, for the first time in the world, somebody built a peer-to-peer auto-matching order book. This never existed before we built it. And um, uh, surprisingly, uh, you know, people in India loved it because there was no learning curve anymore. You just had to put your orders. instead, of, And as soon as it matches, we just show you a bank account where you need to transfer the money. So that's all you need to do. You don't have to go through uh, like, you know, hundreds of listings of people selling you Bitcoins and uh, going through the prices, mentally making notes on which prices are the best. You don't have to do any of that. You just come here on Wazirx, you put your buy or sell order. We show you the bank account where you need to transfer the money. It was that, that simple. And that really, you know, like went uh, crazy. Like everyone in the country started signing up. That gave us the massive boost. So in a way, if you look at it, uh, uh, the adversity turned into an opportunity for us. Skirt, skirt. Want to know who has the best URL? Crypto.com. That's right, crypto.com. They're a crypto platform with one goal mother mass adoption. That's why we're all here. We're trying to get crypto in every wallet. Crypto.com is helping people do that through buying, earning, lending, and card payment. Everything you could want at crypto.com. Go help your boy out. Tell him Pomp sent you. Download the app or visit crypto.com. Pomp's got you always. Ever wanted to get into mining and didn't know how? Don't worry, your boy Pomp's got you. Everybody got some electricity and Wi-Fi. All you got to do is go to coinmine.com. You buy a coin mine. It's like an Xbox or a PlayStation that helps you turn your electricity into Bitcoin. That's right. You purchase it, it shows up at your doorstep, you pull it out of the box, you plug it in, connect to your Wi-Fi, five minutes or less, you're mining Bitcoin. All you have to do is control it from the mobile app they provide, and then you receive over-the-air updates that add new coins and new features on a consistent basis. Kind of like how Tesla does over-the-air updates and updates the car software. Just you're updating your coin mine. Consumer mining made easy. That's right. Go to coinmine.com, tell them Pomp set you, and thank me later. One more word from our sponsor, BlockFi. Their new interest account allows you to securely deposit your Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. This rate actually compounds, so you receive a 6.2% APY, which is very attractive given the alternatives. So you can actually take your Bitcoin, you can deposit it with BlockFi, and get paid an interest rate of 6% in return. Go check out BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, BlockFi.com slash POMP to sign up and start earning interest on your crypto today. And, and and how did the word get out? Like, were you guys, was it just tweeting on Twitter? Was, was there other things? But, but how did the word spread uh, what you guys were doing and kind of what the, what the value proposition? Yeah, I think it's a combination of uh, multiple stuff. Uh, like Twitter helped a lot because I've been, um, you know, uh, tweeting a lot about uh, crypto, blockchain, 
uh, from uh, probably December or I think October 2017, I started this whole uh, blockchain tweeting stuff. So that helped me because I had gotten a good number of uh, uh, crypto audiences, like-minded people on my network on Twitter. Uh, but I think word of mouth was a, a turned out to be the biggest for us where uh, the moment I started asking people how did you you know discover Vazirx they were like this friend of mine um, you know just told me about it because during this time when the banking ban was happening another significant thing was happening in India which was uh, a lot of the older exchanges the bigger ones were shutting down because uh, you know some did not build out this system some could not uh, cope up with the sudden change so when Businesses were shutting down. Every user of that business turned to their friends to ask them where to go. And um, because we built this new product and because I, as a founder, was very open online on Twitter, very uh, responsive to people, which brings a lot of trust, uh, I think uh, that gave the massive push for Bazirx in India. For sure. And, and the part to me that um, I, I think got me uh, or, or really kind of caught my attention and uh, I started paying attention is you started using this hashtag India wants crypto. Right. And I thought that it was um, a, a way to uh, it seems like you were really um, kind of rallying people around uh, that idea. But also you continued to tag um, was it Prime Minister Modi and, and uh, others and really try to drive the conversation, uh, which I thought was uh, was pretty clever. Yeah. So that was like the second wave. I would say I started that in November 2018. Um, uh, to be honest, <laughs> I, I never thought I would uh, continue for so long. Uh, but, you know, it's been now 390 days since I've been tweeting every day. And uh, um, every day, I. but my, my motto is, can I, with every tweet that I do, can I get to more people in terms of uh, them understanding or hearing about crypto in India? Um, uh, people in terms of regular audiences or news, uh, you know, journalists, uh, bloggers, anyone. And uh, at the same time, there's also hope that our prime minister and our finance minister, who I tag every day, uh, they look at it and probably, you know, uh, get in touch with me or the ecosystem in general so that uh, we can put our point across and uh, tell them about uh, crypto, not just being a speculative uh, instrument, but also a great technology that India can employ in the country. So, yeah, but I think you're right. This has given a definite uh, boost to my credibility online, my visibility online. But that was more of a side effect of uh, the fact that, you know, it was frustrating as an Indian uh, where India is uh, really good in terms of technology. India has a lot of young people, millions of youngsters. And yet we do not have like a, you know, easy path to uh, crypto adoption or even trying out crypto. I mean, imagine if uh, these barriers did not exist. Like today, it's just Vazirx and, you know, a few others. But if this barrier did not exist, I'm pretty sure a lot more Indian minds would be at work on crypto on solving problems that will actually make the lives of a billion people better. So, yeah, I think that was the frustration that led me to start this campaign. And I'm going to continue till we get some positive outcome from this, uh, from the government's end. For sure. And, and I guess, like, what do you think success is, right? So, so you've got the campaign going, but what, what does success look like at the end um, where you would say, you know what, we accomplished what we wanted to? Yeah, um, I, I think... 
the immediate one would be where uh, our um, government sets up a working committee you know i think i think that's like the first step to saying okay this is great because when you if you can set up a working committee which involves uh, lawmakers probably uh, also the ecosystem players a bunch of other people together where you say let's start the conversation i think even if that happens i think that's massive success because then you have a a, a group of people who can think in the right direction and take india in the right path to uh, blockchain and crypto what is happening today like i said uh, you know at the beginning of this uh, uh, podcast where we spoke about the whole committee which uh, came up with a banning bill that committee had no representation from the industry it had no representation from anyone who's into technology uh, so how do you expect to come up with any laws or any uh, you know uh, um, legality around crypto if you do not have any technologist or anyone from the industry to be a part of such a committee so i think a committee formation or some sort of a working group if the government can just you know start a conversation around that also i think that's success for us i don't think india will regulate anytime soon because you know it's a massive country a lot of capital um, uh, related laws in the country to be uh, you know navigated but india can definitely start a dialogue with industry players and with technologists and with a lo- bunch of other people i think that's the first step for us got it and, and then I, i guess as part of this um obviously Uh, the news has now become public that uh, Binance acquired WazirX, um, and, and uh, you guys have teamed up to really kind of push crypto adoption in India. Maybe talk to us a little bit about what the thought process there was from your end, um, and then how that deal came together. Yeah, see, the thing is, uh, I've been you know uh, pushing for crypto adoption in India for a long time now. I think at least twelve uh, months. Um, but what I realized is if we wanted to go faster we want to be able to understand how this whole crypto uh, i would say the uh, regulations and uh, you know interactions and in, with the government with the lawmakers how does it work throughout the globe you know you need someone who's seen a lot more than you do to be able to do things faster and that's where um, you know i saw binance as being a good partner that was one aspect the second aspect was how do i also bring about uh, faster adoption of crypto in the country because that was that's my mission like how do you get everyone in india to be part of the crypto ecosystem and i think uh, that's where i saw binance the speed at which i think the uh, the most attractive thing about binance is the speed of execution if you look at binance today it's a massive company in terms of be it your revenue be it user base be it even the number of people they have over 500 people now but you look at the way they execute i think uh, you know if i didn't know i would say it's this probably a 20 people team because that's the speed at which i can see things churning out because as companies grow i've traditionally always seen the speed reduces it never increases this out here you see a company doing the exact opposite and that i think uh, was the most attractive thing because speed is what we need in the crypto ecosystem today uh, we need to go faster than what we are doing right now to be able to get you know such a massive uh, user base in india like the number of people in india if you want to get to all of them 
uh, you need rapid pace. And I want to learn that. I want to get all the help I can. And I think Binance seemed like that perfect partner for that. For sure. Um, and, and so what's the plan moving forward? You, uh, Binance um, and, and Wazir all kind of coming together uh, and going to drive adoption of crypto in India. Like, how do you do that together? What, what, what's the plan? Yeah. So uh, to start with, Wazirx will continue to be an independent brand in India um, owned by Binance. I'll continue to run it the way I am. Um but what we'll do now is uh, we'll also tap into you know the binance network in terms of uh, binance already has a lot of indians on them so uh, who always wanted some fiat gateway uh, which is accessible within binance so we'll be integrating our uh, p2p technology inside binance soon uh, which will come in q1 of 2020 where you will be able to like you know uh, get from your INR to crypto trading right within Binance.com. Um, and uh, that that will give a massive bo- boost and push to uh, Wazirx in general. Uh, but apart from that, I think uh, Binance has this whole uh, playbook in terms of how do you increase adoption in different countries, you know, in terms of uh, on-the-ground work as well as online work. So we're going to use a lot of that expertise to spread the, you know, word in india about crypto and spread the knowledge of crypto in india i think that's where the significant um, um, contribution from binance will come got it and not to forget the much needed capital uh, think about it you know you uh, i'm in india in a uh, industry which is nascent um, i don't want to be spending my time running behind capital right now because i can spend that time uh, you know getting maybe the next million people onto crypto so uh, if there is binance i can just focus on the work ahead rather than running behind capital now for sure. No, it makes, uh, makes complete sense. And, and then I guess um, as part of that, uh, how do you think about expanding your team um, over the next 12 to 24 months? Is it something where you'll um, you know, grow quite rapidly uh, or, or do you think that you'll stay relatively the same size um, as you continue to kind of push forward? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's this is something where we have to spend some time because uh, with the Binance, uh, you know, partnership a lot of synergies will crop up where we might get uh, to probably rapid product development uh, because Binance has a lot of uh, uh, stuff under the hood that we could use so I think uh, probably in a few months I'll understand how rapidly we want to scale up in terms of team size but I think uh, we will definitely be hiring more probably increase our team size a bit more but I don't know exactly right now whether we want to go for a massive ramp up of people, but I know we want to go for a massive ramp up of user base. Um, that we will definitely do. Got it. Um, and, and then what's your advice? There's a lot of people who are listening to this um, that are crypto companies. Uh, they're building uh, based some, either remotely or somewhere outside of uh, India and they see the um, large population of India as a, a very large market and potential uh, user base uh, for their product. What would be your advice to them as they look to come to India? What, what's kind of the best way for them to do that? Or maybe some of the potholes uh, in the road that they should try to avoid? I think um, for projects that want to like, you know, target India as a market, 
I think India relatively is a uh, um, you know, it's it's there's two India, like you know, one India which uh, completely consumes your English information in you know the English language, and the second India which is very into regional languages, and those are many. Um, if you if you are not uh, natively from this country, I think you can definitely target the English audience, which is also massive um, through probably you know a lot of. Uh, I would say online work in terms of um, uh, spreading the um, knowledge of your projects and stuff uh, through YouTubers. There are all these influencers. I think influencers play a large part in India because uh, ultimately people trust uh, you know people from their country, uh, the ones around them. So I think influencer marketing will work really well in India in terms of uh, you know outreach and stuff. Uh, in terms of uh, I, I would say product development and everything. I think India has a good, uh, a, you know, number of uh, software developers who are very, very eager to learn how to, uh, uh, you know, and want to get into blockchain development and uh, work on that. Uh, in fact, there are a, a couple, I think two or three good DeFi projects out of India as well. Um, um, and uh, there are a couple of protocols being built in India. So that's definitely a good um you know, a uh, number of software developers out here who are uh, competent in the whole blockchain uh, work. So I think if you want to build a small, you know, uh, dev center here, I think that's definitely you can attempt that as well. It's uh, it's a good place for that too. But yeah, in terms of your marketing and stuff, I think um, in India, a lot of global marketing, like your influencer marketing, um, SEO, you know, your blogs, um, podcasts, you know, videos. I think those things definitely work for Indian audience as well. For sure. And and then what's, um, you know, that, that's kind of your message, if you will. I think, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you, you have a, lot, a large Indian audience. If I'm not Listen, wrong. man, I, I've told you a million times. I love India. <laughs> I, uh, for those that don't know, um, my brother and I, uh, every year, um, around Christmas time, usually the 20th or 21st of December, we pull up a uh, kayaks explore feature um, and literally just uh, hit, you know, go anywhere in the world. And uh, we basically, while sitting there, pick a random place in the world. And the rule is that we've got to leave within 24 hours. Um, so it's a pretty planned trip. Uh-huh. And uh, I think a lot of people say, okay, that, you know, that's pretty cool. But the key to the trip is uh, when we get on the plane, we have nothing planned. We don't have a hotel room. We don't have any uh, place that we're going to um, go visit. We have, we have absolutely nothing planned except for the uh, the amount of time that we're likely to spend there. And so in um, mm-hmm. December of 2016 is when we uh, uh, went to India. And uh, I remember we landed at like one o'clock in the morning and we had to figure out to go get a hotel room and, and go through all of this. And uh, you and I were, uh, were going back and forth, I think on Twitter um, and trying to meet up and you said, you know, why don't you come out here to, uh, to the office? And I said, well, the only way I know how to get there is to use an Uber. And I was blown away. It was like $6 in an Uber for an hour and a half ride and uh, came out there. And, um, you know, that, that, that very first meeting that we had uh, kind of set the tone for our trip. And uh, two weeks later, we left India after going to, um, where did we go? We went to uh, 
Jaipur, Agra, Delhi, Goa, um, a bunch of different places. And uh, I, I remember when we left, him and I both said that's probably one of our favorite places in the world. So you uh, you had more of an impact than you realize, which uh, which led to a great trip for us three years ago. <laughs> that's great. I'm happy to hear that. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> the, you you want to know the craziest thing that we did in India? Yeah, we, tell me. we um, rented motorcycles in Jaipur and drove by ourselves, each one of us on a separate motorcycle, through all the crazy traffic uh, in town out to the uh, the monkey temple out there. And uh, the, the best part of the story is it was the first time that my brother ever drove a motorcycle. So for, for driving a motorcycle wow. for the first time is you know already tough enough to do it in the heart of traffic of Jaipur is pretty much insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, uh, for those not understanding, uh, you know, uh, if they're not from India, they wouldn't understand. But uh, driving in India is a <laughs> different experience. And uh, <laughs> to be able to drive a motorcycle for the first time in India, I think that's, uh, you know, hats off to your brother. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's very proud of that moment. So that's pretty cool. Um, uh, what, what's your message to, um, to either crypto entrepreneurs in India or, or those in India who, who are starting to learn about um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Like, like what you're kind of, um, you know, you've, you've become, if not the leader, one of the leaders in India around this. Um, what, what's kind of your message to those people? Um, I think, you know, when you look at crypto, um, it, we are at that stage where nothing's really built out. And, uh, you know, it's an open playground. So uh, you might be tempted to pick up a lot of stuff. But what you need to see is what is the immediate next step that needs to be built in the crypto ecosystem. And if you can identify that, I think that's massive success. So, you know, choose what you want to build. There's a lot to be built. But you have to build it in steps, you know, and if you can find the next step that has to be built in probably in India or probably for the globe, you can build for anywhere, but build what is the immediate next need of the crypto ecosystem, you'll find success. Yeah, for sure. And then what, what's your message to, um, to regulators, government officials, central bankers in India? Um, I think, um, you know, when we come across a, very disruptive, radically new technology. The first um, thing will always be to look at all the negative stuff that is possible. And this would have been true even of the internet in the early days when people thought a lot of bad things could be done on the internet. But after probably 20, 25 years of um, you know internet rapid internet adoption in India, the amount of good that the internet did far surpasses the amount of bad that happens, which is the same case with crypto. We need to look at, uh, you know, probably there are 80 good things that crypto can bring and there might be 20 bad things. We can always regulate and handle the bad things, but the good has to uh, really be encouraged. And I think uh, India is primed for that uh, uh, crypto encouragement now. And I want the regulators to come and, uh, you know, discuss this with us so that we can figure out how to uh, probably amplify the good and uh, uh, diffuse the bad stuff of crypto. Absolutely. It's excellent. Um, before I wrap up, I always ask a, a rapid fire set of questions. What do you think is the most important company in crypto other than your own? Binance. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you that. <laughs> no, I, uh, if, uh, but on a, on a serious note, I think uh, a lot of, uh, uh, I don't want to name one, but a lot of uh, companies in the DeFi space, I think very exciting because uh, that's that's like the future, I think. The DeFi ecosystem being built out right now. It's very exciting. 
for sure. And and um, just as a side note, uh, has CZ been to uh, to India? Did he come uh, visit in person? Um, as far as I know, I don't think so. I don't think he's been to India. Um, I can't remember, but I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's about time he he has to come to India. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the next campaign is uh, bring CZ to uh, to India. <laughs> I think I'd need to start that hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what is uh, what, what's the number one regulation that you would change or improve, whether it's in India or globally, um, to, to kind of usher in adoption? Uh, I think uh, you know, probably as, as I think the fastest would be a crypto sandbox in every country. Just let them build what they want, sandbox it, control it. Uh, if you want, just see that experiment play out. I think that's very important. Yeah, I love that idea. And, and obviously, encouraging the innovation and experimentation is super valuable. Uh, what's your most controversial thought in crypto? Like, what's the thing you believe that everyone else will disagree with you on? <laughs> uh, I, I think I don't uh, talk about this, but I think a uh, day will come where, uh, you know, all this whole, uh, um, uh, we pay our income taxes, we, we earn, we, everything is very bound to our country. But I think a day will come where uh, all this whole income tax and everything, it will all uh, disappear because it will be very hard to enforce. Uh, and countries will start charging you a sort of a rent for being in that country. So, you know, the whole income tax e- ecosystem and the way it works, taxation and stuff, it will change to rent where you pay the country because you are in that country and you stay there as a person. I think that's what I radically think will happen in the future. Got it. Uh, what's the f- uh, best book you've ever read or uh, your, your favorite book you've ever read? Um, the book, uh, I, I think I've re- I, I love a lot of them, but the uh, very early in my life, I, I read The Godfather. And uh, I think the, uh, you know, the, uh, the way to do business, the ethics of business, uh, the way you do things, I think I learned a lot from The Godfather. But that was very early in my life. I was in uh, probably, you know, school or college early days. Yeah, I love that. that, that I know that was that before. I love that. What, um, what do you think about aliens? Real? You believe in them? I definitely do, um, I, because I, I just don't think that the universe being this big, uh, it's just going to be us in there. Uh, it's just probably we haven't found a way to communicate, but we will. Do you think that we discover them or they discover us first? <laughs> I, I think I, I think uh, we will discover them. I'm 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 certain you we are at least I think we are more advanced than the rest of the. I at least hope we are. <laughs> yeah, well, it, at least for us, we better hope we are, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. To finish up, I uh, I let you ask me one question. What do you got for me? Um, I got two. For, uh, you know, the first is when are you coming to India next? Ooh, when am I coming next? Um, so, uh, I haven't told very many people this, but I'm trying to come next year, 2020. Um, I, I haven't picked the dates yet, but there's a couple of, uh, conferences that have asked me to, uh, to come. So I'm trying to figure out which one I can make work with my schedule, but, um, I am, uh, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to end up coming in 2020. So I'll let you and, and everyone else know when, uh, when that's going to be. Awesome. Um, uh- the other question is, what do you think will be the, like the, you know, uh, every year I've seen some new trend in crypto, you know, this year I think was more about uh, uh, a lot of stable coins, Libra and all this noise. What do you think is 2020 going to? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I think that there's probably uh, three things. One is uh, you'll see a continuation of like the digitization of uh, fiat currencies. 
so governments and central banks will start like doubling and tripling down on this idea of like let's digitize the dollar, the the yuan, etc. Uh, two is um, the tokenization of debt. So whether it is um, governments or corporations um, or asset-backed securities, et cetera, I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that uh, happening um, and kind of the automation of that entire industry. Uh, and then the third thing is um, I think that you're going to see a world where uh, we start to get some bifurcation. So right now it's kind of like there's Bitcoin and then there's everything else. I think what you're going to start to see is uh, there's Bitcoin then there is uh, like the shit coins, but in between there is a very small number of high quality, um, very thoughtful uh, uses of tokens. Um, what those are and which ones yet, I, I probably don't have an opinion or, or want to speculate on. But I do think that we're going to start to see, you know, kind of a higher degree of success or higher quality um, use cases for some of these tokens. Um, and so what it'll do is I think it'll really kind of show a difference between the high quality ones and the low quality ones. Um, and so when that happens, uh, I think that it'll kind of vindicate um, some of the people who are, are big believers in whether it's Web3 or DeFi, um, all of those kinds of, um, uh, of uh, bents on the blockchain world. Um, but, but we had just haven't seen yet kind of the major use cases for many of those tokens. So hopefully that'll happen in 2020 as well. Interesting. So you, you mean to say there's going to be a, a middle category, like a PTC a shitcoin, and then in between, there's going to be probably, we need a new term for that. Yeah. So, so like here would be a great example, right? So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll throw CZ a bone on this one. Let, let's say that um, there's Bitcoin, then there is uh, all of the shitcoins, and then like part of the middle group, uh, let's put BNB there for now, right? And why is BNB interesting? Well, if Binance can actually go from being an exchange to a true global bank that provides all kinds of different financial services to folks and then can eventually decentralize themselves uh, on the corporate structure side to the point where the equity, uh, either one doesn't exist or two is worthless and all of the value accrues to the BNB token through the burning mechanism, all of a sudden what you do is if you want to own uh, kind of financial exposure to Binance, you have to buy the token, right? And so like that's a really interesting um, kind of evolution for uh, both BNB, but also for Binance. Um, and so, you know, there's some work that's got to be done to kind of get to that point. But I think that um, they're kind of headed in that direction. And so if they're able to be successful there, like that goes, um, you know, kind of in a category that isn't Bitcoin, obviously, and also isn't a shit coin. So we kind of need a third category. But I don't think that category is going to be, um, you know, filled with hundreds of, of tokens. I think it's going to be quite small. I, I would put it, you know, 20 or less um, that end up kind of figuring out the right model and value accrual. Um, but, but definitely BNB is one of them that has a shot. And then there's probably others as well um, that will kind of create this third category. Yeah, I think uh, that's a very interesting proposition, and I think that's where uh, even if you know even CZ's spoken about this a few times, where uh, the eventual goal is to decentralize and have uh, BNB as like the only entry and exit point for you to participate in that whole you know ecosystem. I think that'll be very interesting to see for a lot more projects you know uh, that happen in the ecosystem. Let's see. For sure. Where can um, where can people find you on the internet and, and uh, also uh, what's your ex? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Nishchal Shetty is my uh, handle, Twitter handle. And uh, uh, X, you can just go to wazirx.com and uh, start trading if you're in India. 
um, Bitcoin is uh, Bitcoin and every other uh, crypto is not illegal in India. So you can participate in the crypto ecosystem if you're reading, the, if you're listening to this and haven't yet done it. I think now is time. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. We'll keep fighting the good fight and, uh, and spreading uh, kind of the, uh, the the gospel of uh, Bitcoin and crypto. You're doing a fantastic job. Uh, we'll have to do this again in the future to get an update on how things in, uh, in India are going. Sure. Thanks a lot for having me here. I think um, um, a lot I've also learned following you on Twitter and uh, I know having known you, I think uh, it's a it's it's a weird path we both ended up in the whole same ecosystem all over again that's fun small small world but it's been fun right yeah (laughs) all right talk soon hey everyone pop here if you like this episode of off the chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the apple spotify and other podcast charts please do us a favor and rate review and subscribe to review simply go to the off the chain homepage scroll down until you see the five blank stars Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off the Chain.